Jordi Miller, and welcome to Between the Head and the Heart, a podcast by Lexington Wealth Management. Um, today we have a different kind of episode. Uh, we recorded a live webinar this past Tuesday uh, covering how the CARES Act affects your personal financial planning. And unfortunately, the video footage of that particular webinar did not come out as good as we wanted, but the sound is pretty good. And we thought the information that we discussed with three of our uh, very well-known uh, staff members of Lexington Well was extremely valuable to share. So we put it as an episode in the podcast and um, we hope you enjoy it. So here is a podcast episode uh, from our last Tuesday's webinar with Glenn Frank, James Heston, and Susie Beretti from Lexington Well Management. And if you have any questions, please, please feel free to reach out to us at info at lexingtonwealth.com and we'll answer them directly to you. Thank you. Okay, so I guess it's 12 o'clock and uh, one of the things we have learned recently is that, man, time really matters. So I would like to, to start on time and uh, welcome everyone that is joining us today uh, for this webinar that we're going to be discussing um, specifically the CARES Act implications uh, to financial planning in your personal life. Um, we at Lexington have done now a few uh, I would say things and content regarding the CARES Act when it comes to the um, pay, uh, Paycheck Protection Program and other small business programs. But we thought that one of the expertises we have in-house is uh, financial planning and how this entire stimulus package might affect that. Um, I also would like to start by hoping and wishing that everybody is healthy, everybody's staying at home safe. Uh, we certainly are taking this very seriously at Lexington. And uh, that, that being said, it's not going to stop us from continuing to produce uh, valuable material to not just our clients, but to the extended community if it, if it can be helpful. And this is one example of that. Um, I do want to welcome our panelists today. So uh, I guess on my screen on the left, <laughs> James Hastings um, is the director of advisors at Lexington Wealth and a senior wealth advisor himself. How are you doing, Jimmy? Good. I'm happy to be here, Jordy. Thank you for having me. We also have a uh, Susie Beretti Panduco, who just uh, I, I need to start getting more familiar with <laughs> with your I last. Just, name. I need to get familiar with hearing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, she but just hi, recently everyone. got married. Yeah, and <laughs> she's also a, a wealth advisor at Lexington Wealth Management, and uh, with a lot of uh, tax experience as well. Yeah. And uh, Glenn Frank, a uh, very known uh, face at Lexington Wealth, director of investment tax strategy. How are you doing, Glenn? Excellent, excellent. Happy to so be here. So I thought, I thought you guys would be the three perfect people to talk to today about uh, the implications of financial planning uh, in regards to the CARES Act. And uh, through the preparation of this webinar, it also became very obvious that in the last two years, there have been not just one uh, change in the tax law that can very drastically uh, have consequences to your personal financial planning, but there have been three. And um, and I want to refer to the Jobs Act that was passed around two years ago, then the SECURE Act that was just passed last fall, and now the CARES Act that uh, was passed last Friday, I guess two Fridays ago, and signed uh, into law by President Trump. And the first question that I want to have, and I think I would direct it to Jimmy, is why now that this CARES Act is passed and into law is 
it's a good time to revisit your financial plan with your advisors or with whoever you have doing your financial planning, besides just the obvious market drawdown that just happened. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important question to be considering, especially with all the changes in the last several years with the different um, changes to the tax code with, with all those different uh, acts that you referenced. Um, you know, the CARE Act, uh, which is essentially a $2 trillion emergency financial stimulus package that was, you know, essentially passed with the hope of helping our, our struggling economy. Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of information circulating with regards to the provisions of the act, uh, you know, with how it relates to, to businesses and so forth. Um, but really kind of our, our focus today is to talk a little bit about what provisions have direct impact on individuals. Um, you know, I think that with everything happening with the coronavirus, it's, it's certainly a very emotional time. And I think a lot of people yeah. are, you know, they're probably, you know, their first inclination is to look at things from maybe a shorter term perspective of, of cash flow. And so it can be, you know, really easy to overlook uh, the financial planning implications with regards to the mm -hmm. different provisions within the act. Uh, you know, specifically uh, provisions such as the elimination of the 2020 required minimum distribution, uh, deferrals of loan repayments, coronavirus related distributions from retirement accounts, and the above the line $300 charitable uh, contribution deduction. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all, all of these, uh, you know, have financial planning implications um, that go farther than just what happens this year. So, you know, I think it's really important to remember that each person's situation is unique from the standpoint of taxes, investments, investment account types. And then you start laying into considerations about how do these different provisions have uh, or interact with intergenerational estate planning strategies. So, you know, it's really important to consider the market conditions and to really have a thoughtful coordination between all the things that are going on in both the short term and in the long term. Yeah, and I I also, I think just to move the conversation along and like getting into a little bit of the tips and, and specifically how uh, the CARES Act can impact your personal financial planning, not necessarily your business one. Um, in preparation for this, we were thinking about how to create a better context for this conversation and how to approach these questions a little easier uh, for those listening or for those participating uh, later watching this video. And we thought a good way to separate um, how it affects folks would be um, grouping them in the deaccumulators versus the accumulators. And what we refer in Lexington as accumulators and deaccumulators is those people that are still in the accumulation phase of their life. They're accumulating wealth. They're still getting income into our perception of growing their net worth. And then we have the deaccumulation phase, which is where people kind of like approach retirement or pass their retirement point and their network keeps, not, not network, but like they start taking money out for their own needs without getting so much in. Um, with that context, the deaccumulation and or the accumulation in the deaccumulation phase, I would like to start asking Susie uh, first is for those folks in the kind of like up part of this uh, curve, what are some of the things that they should be considering for financial planning, especially right now when we hear a lot, for example, of liquidity issues in the short term? 
Right, right. I mean, with everything that's been going on in the markets, liquidity is has been a big, um, a big subject that we've been talking to a lot of our clients about. And there are a few options that clients have when it comes to funding those short-term cash needs. Um, the first one that Jimmy um, alluded to was the um, the ability for individuals under the age of fifty-nine and a half to withdraw up to 100,000 from their retirement accounts penalty-free. Now, usually there would be a 10% penalty associated with early withdrawal, but for anyone who's been impacted by COVID-19, whether that means losing a job, being sick, um, they are eligible to withdraw penalty-free up to $100,000. The act has also increased the amount that you are able to borrow against your retirement accounts um, originally, it was fifty thousand, and now you can borrow up to a hundred thousand. Um, so these are a couple of helpful bits that were included in the the CARES Act. But we would we would consider these last resort options, um, having to tap into your retirement accounts early. Um, but there are plenty of other more favorable options. Um, at Lexington, our clients have the ability to borrow off margin, which means that they can borrow against their investment accounts. Um, the current rates. Um, for the margin loans are extremely low, um, ranging between one to one and a half percent. This is a good way to fund some short-term cash needs at a low interest rate. Um, These loans are interest only and principal can get paid at any time. So when the markets rebound, clients can use some of the the growth to pay off margin whenever they feel comfortable. Um, Clients can also look into using a home equity loan to help with short-term cash needs. Um, we've been seeing rates between 2.75 to three and a quarter percent. Another way to fund some short-term cash needs has to do with when you file your taxes. Um, as you know, the tax deadline has been moved from April 15th to July 15th. Um, so if you've not yet filed um, and expect a refund, we would recommend filing sooner rather than later so you can use your refund for um, to fund some of those short-term cash needs. On the alternative side, if you owe, we would recommend waiting until July um, so that, you know, to pay any tax due so that you free up some of your short-term cash. Yeah. Um, Clients can also help um, their monthly outflows by exploring the possibility of refinancing their mortgage. Um, Rates have recently been at historical lows um, and, and depending on where their current rate is and where rates fall today, Um, we would recommend speaking to a loan officer to kind of see if it makes sense for them. Um, And we have plenty of names that we're happy to provide to clients. Um, Something else to consider is that those with student loans uh, can defer payments until September 30th. Like Jimmy said, that is a provision that um, was included in the CARES Act. Um, So the deferral of payments should free up some of the short-term cash. Um, for those who are still working and bringing in an income, um, this might be an opportunity to actually think about increasing your contributions to your 401k between now and September. So usually, um, you know, not having to pay back those student loans for the next few months, if you direct those payments into your 401k, you're not only decreasing your taxable income, but you're also putting long-term cash into the market at a time when the market is relatively low. Um, And then finally, for those who are business owners, um, as Jordy said, the the CARES Act did create the Paycheck Protection Program, which can help cash flow as it relates to the business. 
Um, we recommend looking into this further to see if it applies to you. Um, last week, Jordy and Beth LePage did do an awesome 10-minute video explaining the details of the <laughs> So feel free to check that out. We highly recommend that. Yeah, and we'll definitely share the information for the PPP at the end of this webinar so people can, uh, if they have questions specifically to the PPP, they can refer to that or they can reach out to us at info at LexingtonWealth.com and at LexingtonWealth.com and we'll be answering questions directly to you yeah, uh, regarding awesome PPP. Short enough um, and, and good. It's short enough. There's a lot to do on the PPP. Yeah. Um, I, I do wanted to ask you also, Susie, like, besides just the liquidity issues that uh, people in the accumulation phase may be facing right now. I think there's some emotional parts that could also be into consideration based on what we have experienced in the last three weeks. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, although the, the fact the coronavirus may have provided some or may have a caused some people to be laid off or furloughed, um, you know, those are really, really tough pills to swallow. Um, but it does create some type of financial planning opportunities. Um, for example, if your employment has ended, um, unfortunately, but fortunately, you would have the ability to roll your former um, 401k into an IRA. Um, and this is beneficial because 401ks do have um, usually limited um, investment options, but in an IRA, you'll have the ability to invest in any um, holding that you'd like. Um, if you've been furloughed, you may still have the opportunity to do this, um, but you should check in with your plan sponsor to see it. it is probably different for every plan. Um, if your income has been put on pause due to a layoff or furlough, 2020 could be a low income year for you tax-wise. Um, in years with low taxable income, there's the opportunity to convert some of your traditional IRA to a Roth IRA at a lower tax rate. The benefits of doing this are to diversify the types of accounts you hold. So when you get into drawdown mode or the decumulation phase, um, you have the option of withdrawing from your Roth tax-free compared to withdrawing from your traditional IRA and paying ordinary income tax. An added benefit of adding to your Roth today is that you'd place your highest growth assets into your Roth so that the assets then grow tax-free. Um, the compounded tax-free growth in this account would be maximized over the next 10, 20, 30 years until you reach um, the, your drawdown mode, which is extremely beneficial. Um, and then in regards to the emotional aspect of things, um, in times like these when the markets are volatile, um, our risk tolerance is really, really put to the test. Um, we talk about volatile markets through the financial planning process, but living through it as a reality um, can often make us question if we truly are as risk tolerant as we thought. Um, but so yeah. that said, <laughs> with that said, now is, is definitely the time to be talking with your advisor and touching base um, to reassess if your time horizon and risk tolerance um, do still make sense and to make sure that you are comfortable and you can sleep at night and that you're still able to achieve your financial goals. Yeah. That, I think uh, we're all going for that when it comes to like, Ooh, I, I, I am as risky or not as risky as I thought I would be. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and this is the perfect test. time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, just transition into, uh, I guess, the deaccumulation phase. And I want to make sure that everybody listening understands that these are big generalizations we do for those two categories of folks. But, um, and, and some that we might mention under the deaccumulation phase uh, might apply uh, to, to people that are 
uh, in the accumulation phase if they have enough resources or the financial planning is in the right place. So I just wanted to make that caveat there. Um, Glenn, I'm going to turn to you for the people in the, the accumulation phase, and I did not mean anything personal. Um, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do want to say um, the CARES Act brought a lot of different perspectives to the people that were already in the retirement stage or close to the retirement stage. There's a lot of things to reconsider, uh, or maybe there's none. It depends on the person, right? But um, according uh, on your perspective, what are a couple of things or maybe two or three that people in the deaccumulation phase should be definitely thinking right now? Uh, thanks, Jordy. And uh, do I really look that much older than Susie? Come on. <laughs> I think it's the video. She could be my granddaughter. Never mind. Uh, no, first of all, a uh, big congratulations to the decumulators in, in our audience here. You've already climbed that financial mountain after many years of uh, hard work and savings, and now uh, you're down, coming down the other side, and, and uh, folks not there, uh, you'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, let me expand on, on some comments that Susie made. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Roth conversions. Uh, mm -hmm. Basic question with the Roth conversion is, why in the world would you ever want to pay taxes now that you could pay later? But we'll give you basically four reasons why you may want to do that. Uh, I think, as you know, with the SECURE Act recently passed, uh, we don't have to start taking our, our distributions till age 72. What happens for a lot of people that are decumulators, they're in this tax hiatus in their life. Maybe they retired at 65, and now they've got seven full years of paying very little in taxes. So sometimes it makes sense to uh, convert your IRAs to Roth and, and pay at a lower bracket. So one big reason you may want to pay, uh, do a Roth conversion is lower taxes. Uh, again, you may be in this temporary low bracket and your bracket may spike back up when you're uh, turned 72, not sure. Um, as Susie mentioned, we have this concept of uh, account diversification. People always talk about investment diversification. What about account diversification? So to expand on, on Susie's point, um, it's marvelous for uh, tax advisors like we have at Lexington to each year be able to pick where to cover lifestyle for our retired clients. Do we take it out of taxable accounts, retirement accounts, out of Roth accounts? Having that flexibility on a year-by-year -year basis is really terrific. And again, with, with the added Roth account, we have that opportunity. Uh, another reason for a Roth conversion, especially for a decumulator, is it's, it's a marvelous asset to give to your heirs. Uh, as I think you already know, you don't have to start drawing your Ross at 72 like normal retirement accounts. You don't have to ever draw them. So if you pass them to your heirs, it grows for all those many years, as Susie mentioned, without taxes. Plus, you get an extra 10 years now for your heirs to let it grow without tax. It used to be unlimited. It used to be able, uh, before the SECURE Act, you were able to take the money out over many, many years, over the life expectancy of heirs. Now it's just 10, but still it's a marvelous deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, to Susie's point, um, another reason is uh, location, location, location. I'm not talking about real estate. I'm talking about investment account location. So we like to spend a lot of time putting the right assets in the right accounts. So Susie's point was, if you put your highest expected total returning asset class in your Roth, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Now you've got many, many years of tax-free growth. So again, those, those are four good reasons may, why you might wanna do Roth conversion, but it's, 
it's situational. Somebody's got to do the math. They're little pieces. I don't want to ruin anybody's day, but with these balloony deficits, there's a chance tax rates will go up. And doing a conversion this year uh, might be a better idea, but but hell, on that issue, we can wait till later in the year, see who gets into office, who doesn't. Uh, so there's a couple of points just on Roth conversions. Yeah. Um, I would say also, this is probably also a good time, especially for people in the deaccumulation phase, uh, to kind of like rethink a little bit about how they plan for their gifting, not just like charity, but probably intergenerational. And Glenn, do you mind expanding a little bit of how you think about this? Uh, yeah, happily, Jordy. Um, so gifting from a retiree's perspective, uh, there is a lot of need out there suddenly. Charities are in dire need maybe family members, maybe friends. So uh, before we even get into those details, the first question of course is, can you afford to give? And uh, uh, as always, as Jimmy pointed out, it always comes back to your financial plan. How does it fit in the context of your financial plan? How much can you actually afford to give? Uh, so let's talk about charity first. So as, as Susie mentioned, and I think Jimmy did as well, it's terrific that uh, uh, we, we have this $300 a year donation we can deduct. That, that, that helps. Uh, I think as most people know that very few people itemize anymore. I think only 10% of the, the taxpayers. So now uh, the other 90% can actually save taxes on the first $300. So that, that, that helps. The larger issue for, for people with deeper pockets is they've changed the rules on cash donations on how much you can give. The way it's been for many years is if you make a cash contribution, you can only deduct so much in the current year. Uh, before 2020, it was 60% of your AGI. So for example, let's suppose your adjusted gross income was $100,000. Before they just passed the CARES Act, you could only deduct $60,000 and the excess got carried over for future years. Uh, basically, they want you to pay some taxes in the current year. Now, with the CARES Act, if you can afford to give up $100,000, you know, your AGI is $100,000, you can give away $100,000 to charity and completely eliminate your federal income taxes. Right. And if you're really deep-pocketed and charitable, you can go beyond that. If you go more than $100,000 this year, the excess gets carried forward to future years. Mm -hmm. um, so they only changed cash contributions and the percentage of AGI limitations. They did not change gifts of appreciated securities. Basically, that still remains at 30% of adjusted gross income. For example, um, the laws haven't changed. If you gift appreciated securities to your donor advised fund, uh, in my example, your AGI is 100,000. You can only deduct in 2020, 30% of your AGI. You can only deduct 30,000 of that. Um, and the excess gets carried over to future years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still very beneficial. Um, I'm assuming you're itemizing and you may have to go into something we call bunching strategy so that you do. In any case, uh, it's still very beneficial. You get a deduction for the full fair market value of whatever you donate, plus you avoid the cap gains tax. 
So again, whether a major cash contribution makes sense for you or a gift of charitable, uh, of appreciated securities, that's situational. You got to talk to your advisor. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would just come back into the conversation with, uh, as we go through this, as part of the CARES Act and, and, and not necessarily specifically the law, but the times that the law is being implemented in, uh, it brings opportunities for people in the deaccumulation phase as well to do basic stuff, right? To just even consider their budget differently. And this would totally change their financial planning as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but let me let me comment a little bit first on gifting to family. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So suddenly, uh, gee, we got kids that might be out of work, you know, mm -hmm. or friends or whoever. And uh, hopefully you listen to, to Susie's commentary. And you know what their liquidity options are, because you don't want to be the first option, I don't think. You know, you want to make sure that they've gone through <laughs> the litany of other ideas before uh, before you get tapped, perhaps. Yeah. Um, there is an opportunity here, and that is uh, you may want to donate. If, if that's the situation, your, your kid needs money, you may want to gift them appreciated securities. Uh, if you sell and gift it, you pay cap gains tax. If, they, if you give it to them and they sell it and spend it, uh, there may not be any cap gains tax at all for your family. So the rules there are if it's an individual and their taxable income is under 40000 there is no cap gains tax. Mm. Married filing joint, under 80000 there is no cap gains tax. That's so it. sadly, who knows by the end of the year, your children might, you know, if they lose their jobs, et cetera, it may actually create an opportunity for the family to avoid cap gains tax. So just something to think about. No, thank you for that. I, I was not even thinking of like the gifting part of like passing to the next generation. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, um, maybe one other point, Jordy. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, it's okay. A lot of people worry about this 15000 per year uh, limit on how much you can give. That's kind of overstated. You only have to file a gift tax return if you give more than 15000 per year per donee, which is just a filing requirement people typically don't actually pay any gift taxes. It's something that gets added to your state later. And, and the bottom line is, I wouldn't be overly concerned about going over the 15,000 per year per donee limit. Mm. Okay, good to know. Sorry. No, thank you. Thank you for that, for that little tidbit of information. Um, I, I do wanna bring the consideration of the budget because this is, even though it's financial basics, as we are all kind of like locked down in our houses, there's a little bit of reconsideration. And I, I'll, I'll open this question to, to the three of you because uh, it affects pretty much anybody. Um, expenses becomes a little bit of a, uh, a game that we're all playing to see what we're actually spending money on and what we're not actually spending money on. Uh, so this could be a really good opportunity to, to rethink of this. And if, if any of you could answer, like, what are the big implications of like really cutting down on your budget in this particular time? Uh, <laughs> uh, Glenn, you can go ahead if you want to. I, I found this uh, marvelous quote the other day. Uh, basically, it was the material world is on pause, at least for a couple of weeks. We are now given the rare opportunity to prioritize what is most important to us. So to your point, Jordy, um, we're all kind of stepping back and, and kind of figuring out what uh, 
and maybe we're going to stop and reflect on our on our outflows. And in many cases, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years on time, money, and joy. Mm-hmm. Invariably, when people really stop and think what actually brings them joy, it's often a lot less expensive than where their money's actually going. And yeah. it may well be that if, if they can reduce outflows, uh, they may still be able to actually be happier. And if they can reduce those outflows, um, getting to the decumulation phase may come a lot sooner. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to also uh, bring Jim into this conversation because specifically to where it comes to the CARES Act implications on the on the decumulation of folks, um, it overlaps a lot with a little bit of how the SECURE Act was enacted as well. And then maybe you can maybe bring some light into this. Yeah, so I think it's specifically, you know, there's, there's some overlap in planning um, with regards to the decision on whether or not it makes sense to um, you know, skip or waive making your 2020 required minimum distribution. Um, yeah. you know, I think at first glance, um, you know, it looks really appealing to be able to say, hey, I don't have to take an RMD um, and, and therefore forego paying taxes on that money. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, it's, it's kind of important to kind of take a step back um, and, you know, kind of reflect a little bit about the changes with regards to the SECURE Act that passed this past December, um, specifically with regards to the elimination of the, the quote unquote stretch IRA uh, for non spousal beneficiaries. So uh, essentially, if you're, you're leaving your money to a, a son or a daughter, they're going to be required to take the money out within a 10 year period. Um, So, you know, with regards to whether it makes sense to maybe take some of your RMD or all of it, you know, it could still make sense from a financial planning perspective, um, particularly if when you leave the IRA to your heir, they're either one in an extremely high tax bracket or two, it's going to push them into an extremely high tax bracket, higher than what you would currently be paying um, right now. And then I think Glenn alluded to to this earlier, you know, who knows what's going to happen with regards to tax increases over the next, you know, five, six, 10, 20 years. Um, you know, there's certainly a possibility that they go up. I mean, the current Trump tax yeah. cuts are earmarked to sunset in 2020. Um, so, you know, before the um, you know, everything started to happen with the virus and um, certainly before the CARE Act came out, um, some of the planning things we were thinking about with regards to the SECURE Act was, hey, let's try and take advantage of doing some Roth conversions um, mm-hmm. if, if it made sense from a tax standpoint, if, you know, because you're comparing what your tax rate is now versus what your son or daughter's tax rate might be in you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now when they go and inherit that IRA. So, you know, again, it's, it really needs to be a thoughtful approach um, to, to whatever strategy that makes sense for you and your balance sheet and that of your entire families. Yeah, and uh, and I guess this brings us to uh, the last question we have, uh, which is the topic of uncertainty around the CARES Act when it comes to planning. Um, there is a lot of things out there about the CARES Act, and, and you can go read the law, and there's so much to, to learn, but there is a lot of uncertainty too. And uh, and I wanted to bring this, this question specifically to you, Jimmy, and then open it up if anybody wants to add. But 
in your perspective, what are some things we currently do not know that there's certain uncertainty of how it would play out? So I, I would say there's probably three things that we would like to get better clarity on, um, at least from, from a firm perspective. The first, and, and Susie kind of alluded to this, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks that are being furloughed. Um, mm-hmm. So is there you know, a, a, you know, a provision that allows furloughed workers to be able to roll out of the you know, current plan? And technically, they're still in employees. So, you know, I could certainly see it going in the direction of saying, hey, no, you, you know, you can't roll out. Um, but, you know, there, there could be some plans that allow it. Um, so it's worth probably kicking the tires on it um, and, and seeing if it makes sense. Um, yeah. The other one is, you know, with required minimum distributions, they're allowing um, you know, folks who've, who have already taken them, if it's within a 60 day window to kind of kind of roll it back in kind of the, you know, the, the old, um, IRA rollover rules. Um, but for folks who have already used um, their RMDs or a portion of it as qualified charitable distributions, um, you know, is there going to be provision that allows people to kind of backfill into their IRA from their taxable account? And then just to take a, you know, traditional, um, you know, tax deduction for, for the contribution. And then uh, third, and, you know, this is the biggest of all the unknowns is, um, you know, will there be more stimulus to come? Um, certainly, um, everyone's kind of keeping an eye on things to see how this one plays out. But I don't think anyone would be entirely shocked if there was another phase of stimulus uh, issued by the government. Yeah, um, there is so much to to learn about this law still and how it will actually be implemented besides just being passed into law. I think that's where a lot of the questions are currently, like the implementation part of like the spirit of the law. So uh, what we're going to be doing here at Lexington is in the next few weeks, we're going to be putting a lot of this together to try to clarify as much as we find out and pass it along to the folks and out there. Um, for today, uh, for the questions, if you might have any questions regarding anything that might affect your financial planning when it comes to the CARES Act, please reach out to us at info at lexingtonwealth.com and we will directly respond to your questions. We didn't want to open the questions in the webinar as they might be personal to your situation and to protect privacy of those on the webinar, but certainly email us to info at lexingtonwealth.com and we'll one of us four will reply to you with, with an answer or direct you in the, in the right direction if it's a, a CPA question or, or a financial planning related question. So I, I wanna thank Jimmy, Susie, Glenn, thank you for your time this morning. I know it's a pretty busy time. Of course, happy to and, be um, Yep, and then this recording will be available this afternoon. So if you wanna re-listen or you just join late, uh, it's okay. You'll be able to hear all those planning uh, tips that we discussed today. So thank you everybody. And this was Lexington Wealth Management. Thanks, Jordy. Thanks. Thanks, Jordy. Bye-bye. Stay healthy, everyone. Stay healthy. (laughs) And same. Lexington Wealth Management is a group of investment professionals registered by Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered independent investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or or the investment opportunities referred herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and it's not guaranteed. 
The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as a general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Lexington Wall Management and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no express or implied representation or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data on other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as a date of reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Lexington Well Management and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax and legal advisor before establishing a retirement.